Support for The Startup Life is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Startup Nation, personal grooming is super important, not only from a hygiene standpoint, but also from a confidence one as well. And that is why you need to have a tight haircut and, well, a nice groomed undercarriage as well. And when doing that, you don't want to use the same razor, do you? That's just absurd. And this is why our friends at Manscaped have given you another option. Introducing the all-new Lawnmower 3.0 by Manscaped. This lightweight and waterproof razor features precision engineered blades for safe trimming in sensitive areas and a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. Ladies, Father's Day is just around the corner and this will make a perfect gift for that guy on the go. Use code the Startup Life in all caps for 20% off and free shipping on your brand new Lawnmower 3.0 at manscaped.com. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you're listening to the replay on the podcast. And while you're there, be sure to check out all the other products from manscaped.com as well. So for proper manscaping without the fear of hurting anything, go with Manscaped. Trust me, your family of jewels will thank you. It's time to be about that life. The startup life. Here's your host, Dominic Lawson. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life, the show for entrepreneurs and career-minded professionals. You know, Startup Nation, it takes a lot of mental fortitude to start a business, especially if you're starting one these days. But how do you muster up the confidence and the courage to do just that? Well, today's guest knows all about that and more, and she's going to help us out today. She is a former Secret Service agent and co-host of Bravo's TV series Spy Games. Her heroic efforts as a first responder during 9-11 terror attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City earned her the U.S. Secret Service Valor Award. She regularly, regularly appears on the Today Show, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, HLN, and Good Morning America. She is also the author of Becoming Bulletproof, Protect Yourself, Read People, Influence Situations, and Live fearlessly. She is Evie Pomporis. Evie, how are you today, ma'am? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? All right. All right. Thank you so much uh, for your t- time today. I really appreciate it. And also thank you for your service to your, to our country. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. No worries. So let's just hop right into it. If you would just kind of share your origin story and your background and were there any, you know, inklings of you as a kid that, you know, that you just knew you was going to get into the line of work that you ultimately got into? No, absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) I was not that kid who knew what she was going to do or knew what she was going to be. I think for each of us, it's different. I knew I wanted, I'll tell you this. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to be of service. Gotcha. I was never motivated by money or finances. I know sometimes a lot of people are, um, and that can be a factor as to like why we want to do a certain job in our life, which is absolutely okay. Sure. Others by creativity. I was always dominated by the idea of service and protection. Mm. I felt very protective of my family and of a, of others. And I also wanted to be of service and my career, it actually really started with the NYPD Academy. Right. And I always had this sentiment that when it's all over, you know, you're one day you're 80 years old, if you make it that far. And absolutely. If I did make it that far and I was sitting in my rocking chair one day and I thought back, I wanted to just feel like, you know what? I gave of myself. It may not have been huge. I may not have made a huge impact to the world, but I gave rather than just took in my life. And I felt like that was the most important thing for me. And it kind of naturally, slowly kind of pushed me into that idea of service and of helping. And actually, to be fair, I interned for about almost two years for Congresswoman when I was in college. Okay. And it was only supposed to be, I remember, six months. But I remember staying there for almost two years and just as an intern, working for free the whole time. Mm. But I loved it because I was helping her and her constituents. Right. And I think that that's where that idea of also public service kind of entered my life. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, we we, we definitely live in a, in a day and age where we're starting to see more and more people uh, dive into public service and wanting to serve the greater good. You know, Evie, if you don't mind, just talk about really quickly What's the, talk about the satisfaction you give about like serving the common good and serving people? 
There's actually science behind it. Okay, There's fair a ton enough. of research that actually says, you know, and if, if you look into it, it tells you when you give, you feel better. Mm. Your endorphins go up, serotonin levels kick in, like you're, you feel good. So even from a purely selfish perspective, if you were to look for look at it that way, it's good for you. And then others, others, you know, obviously get from it. And as I began working in public service in, in my career as an agent and then in, you know, in the Secret Service, I remember especially when I would work cases and I would be talking to victims and you would help give some type of resolution to people or help people in a meaningful way. I would go home feeling good. I just mm. felt fulfilled. I mean, there were rough days. It's not an easy job by any means. It's a lot of work. There's a lot of sacrifice that goes into it. But it's just this feeling of contentment. And mm. you're thinking, I feel good. I feel I feel like I had a my day was productive. Right. And that I did something that was meaningful. And it truly like, and I didn't know this at the time. And then afterward, when I was kind of like, you know, why am I so happy? Um, it's not like I was raking in the millions. I wasn't, you know, at least in public service, you're you're not, and especially in law enforcement. And um, it just, I began to read the research, and I and I and I began to understand that when you give, and that's if you even think about it, sometimes when you give a gift to someone mm -hmm. or you're buying a gift for somebody and you know that they love it too and you give it to them and they enjoy it, you feel this such a satisfaction of when you're giving to others and it just kind of falls into the way we're wired. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you uh, for sharing that for sure. And, and I want to ask you something really quickly uh, about your time uh, at the secret service. You know, for I want to kind of leave with a story really quickly because uh, back when I was, uh, when I started in banking, I was a teller. Uh, and we had somebody to come in with like counterfeit bills or whatever. Right. And so they were saying, hey, this is what you got to do. And you have to send it to the Secret Service. And I was like, why are we sending this to the Secret Service? Don't they protect presidents? Why are they handling deals with currency and stuff like that? And so I, I guess I'm asking that or telling sharing that to ask this uh, that like, what are all the other things besides protecting presidents and presidential detail? What are some of those other things that do that the Secret Service do? Yeah, I actually love your story because <laughs> the first squad I went to, mm -hmm. um, Secret Service has a dual mission. Let me start here. Sure. The dual mission agency, they do protection, as you mentioned, the president, former presidents, first ladies, former first ladies, foreign heads of state, um, right. quite a few people. Um, but at the same time, the majority of the public doesn't know that they also are criminal investigators mm. and they have a jurisdiction over all sorts of um Crimes. So essentially counterfeit money, bank fraud, electronic crime fraud, financial institution fraud, um, and so many others. And it's interesting because my first squad was the bank fraud squad. Mm. So I was that agent that would come to the bank and speak to someone like you. I would go to all the banks, speak to the tellers. Right. When they call up and they say we either had fraud or there was, there was counterfeit money. Um, and going back to counterfeit money, the agency was actually founded to investigate counterfeit money it was created on april 14th 1865 actually the same day abraham lincoln was assassinated mm. and he created the agency because there was a huge influx of counterfeit money in the united states up to a third of the currency was fake right and it was having a significant impact on our economy detrimental and that's how it started protection didn't come until Many years later, it was 1901 when we started having, we had had multiple assassinations at that point, right. such as Abraham Lincoln and then McKinley. Mm -hmm. And so they began to say, okay, we need someone to also protect the president. And they began doing part-time protection. And then that turned into full-time protection. Right. Right. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And one of the things, and I know you get this question all the time, but I have to ask and really quickly, Startup Nation, once again, uh, we're talking to Evie uh, Pumporis, the author of Becoming Bulletproof, Protect Yourself, Read People, Influence Situations and Influence Situations and Live Fearlessly. And if you want to pick up that uh, copy of a book, it's a very hot book right now, uh, Startup Nation. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast and every you talk about, you know, in, in the very beginning of the book, uh, that day 
you know, the, you know, nine eleven, and and being you know one of those first responders, and, and we talked at the top of the show how you got a uh, an award uh, for your service uh, that day. But you know, in the beginning of the book, you talk about in 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 very graphic detail about that day. I, I guess I just want to know a little bit about that day from your perspective, but also the what it took or what your mindset was to have that mental fortitude to keep serving and keep being that first responder when let's, let's be honest, chaos is all around you. Yeah. You know, it's actually really simple. Okay. You, I saw my fellow brothers and sisters die. Mm. You know, we're all here on this earth and we're all brothers and sisters in the end of it. Of course. And when you see people dying, Everything else fades. And that's what it did for me. And again, you know, I always had these internal, you know, this internal internal passion, I guess you could say, or this internal want to help people and be protective. And I became a special agent with the United States Secret Service. And I mm-hmm. was an agent at that time. Right. And that's just where our office happened to be. And that's where I happened to be on that day. And it, it never crossed my mind to leave. Not even once. Mm. So that was it. There was nothing like there was no big math or science or really long self-talk that I had with myself. Zero. People are dying. What do I do? Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, and I imagine, you know, when people probably have said like, oh, Evie, you're a hero and stuff like that. How do you feel about stuff like that? Some people say, you know, I was just doing my job. Some people are just kind of like, you know, you do what you're supposed to do. Anybody would have done it. What's your take on that when people kind of put you uh, up there and call you a hero and stuff like that? I'm definitely not a hero. Fair enough. (laughs) You know, I, I hear that word. It gets thrown out there and it's okay. I, I'm not that. Gotcha. I just, I, I've never felt like that. Even when they did give the award later on, mm-hmm. I actually took the award and I, I put it, I, I didn't go to the award ceremony because it was a ceremony for gotcha. the Valor Award that I was given. And that wasn't the only one. Other agents got it too. Mm-hmm. And then I, I didn't go. Um, I just didn't feel right. I was like, you know, all these people died. I'm lucky to be alive. You know, I appreciated the award. It's not like I didn't appreciate it. It just didn't feel it just wasn't why I had done it and it just didn't feel right. So I remember taking the award and putting it under my bed. Mm. And then at the time, cause I was still fairly young, I lived at my parents' home and my father found it. And then one day, like months later, I see it hanging in the basement. I'm like, what's this? He's like, yeah, you put it under your bed. Why? It's look at it. You're going to hang that thing up. Gotcha. And it's, it's still in the, in, in uh, the family room of my parents' house. I look, there are, I believe heroism exists in all of us. Of course. It's just whether we choose or not to tap into it. Mm. And we have the choice. It doesn't mean you're not afraid. I mean, sure, I was worried I was going to die. I almost died on that day. So many other people were dying around me. My colleagues, you know, felt the same way. But you move forward. And I guess, you know, you can think of it even with what's happening now. We're going through something of course. very significant. And... Who do you want to be when it's over? Because it's going to be over. It's going to pass. And then you have to look back and say, who was I? And how did I carry myself? Did I give? Did I take? Was I fear-based the whole time? Or was I able to conduct myself in a way where I'm proud of that? Mm. And that's hard to do some for, for, for some of us when we're in it. Right. And it's really kind of like the sentiment too behind writing my book, Becoming Bulletproof, because the book in, at its core was about self-mastery. Right. It's about mastering yourself. Know thyself. You know, know yourself. It was an ancient Greek uh, proverb term that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. And that's really the core of like why I put the book down on paper. I was like, what did I learn? What was I taught? Because, you know, I was privileged to go through these academies and be around like really extraordinary people. And training, learning, education, just exposure to the world and success and lots of failures and significant things. And you, it, it taught me so many different things. I was like, people got to know this. Not everybody gets to be an agent. Not everybody gets to work in the White House. Right. Not everybody gets to do this. And I was like, if, if I were to share, what would I want to share? What would I want to learn from other people? Because I'm a, 
I love reading books as well. I love learning from other people's experiences. Right. I hear that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And speaking of your book, you have a chapter where you talked about talk about harnessing, you know, fear. What does that look like? What are some of those steps? I know it's not like a magic, you know, formula or whatever. But what does that look like? You know, when it comes to the heavy doctrine of harnessing fear. The first thing, don't try to get rid of fear. Mm. We, we hear the words. I want to be fearless. I don't want to have any fear. It's nonsense. It doesn't exist. Fair Nobody enough. operates under that. Gotcha. I think that's the greatest thing we need to get out of our mind because what happens is we feel fear. We're afraid of something and we think, oh, something must be wrong with me, right? I'm not I'm not on the level I want to be. I have to be better. I have to not feel fear. First, fear is normal. You should have here fear. Fear has kept me alive in like the 12 plus years I did law enforcement. If I didn't have fear, I probably wouldn't be here you know, speaking with you. Right. And so I think the first and foremost is get rid of that mindset. And that way, when you feel fear, it's okay. You're not ashamed. And there's a big part of it. Shame comes into play. Hmm. We, we get mad at ourselves and we feel shame because we are afraid. There is no shame to be felt. Now, once you surpass that, then you look at the sentiment of fear. What kind of fear do I feel? And where is it coming from? We often don't understand where it comes from. So if I'm afraid of losing my job, let's say, right. well then, okay, if I lose my job, then what am I really afraid of? I'm not really afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of what happens possibly if I lose my job. Okay. I won't have, I won't be making any money. Okay. If you don't make any money, then are you going to be homeless? Are you going to be the street? Or no, I won't be. I will. And it's really kind of getting to the core of what we are afraid of. Right. And understanding and accepting it. Acceptance is a huge thing. Accepting what you're afraid, but understanding what it truly is you're afraid of. Like asking that question. Okay, and then what? Then what? And when you can get to the core of it, you begin to figure out, one, that the fear is not as significant. You, you start to understand, like, what's a significant fear mm-hmm. that you should have and, and learn from and then what is hijacking your life i always say when it comes to fear you want to be in the driver's seat and you want fear to be in the passenger seat mm. it's when fear gets in the driver's seat and you're in the passenger seat where you have a problem gotcha. and then eventually once we understand whatever that fear is exposing ourselves to it now you can have a fear that's something simple as Think of fear in a when you think of it in a positive context. Think of it that when you cross the street, you look both ways when you cross. You don't just cross the street. Right. You look both ways because you fear getting hit by a car. That is healthy fear. That's appropriate fear. If you feel somebody walking behind you and you feel uncomfortable and you feel fear, absolutely listen to that. That's your body saying, "Hey, something isn't right." Those are fears. Those are sentiments that we should learn to listen to. And this is where. We have to have the confidence and trust to listen to that voice. The other fear is the fear that truly hijacks our lives. And these are, you know, in some ways, stupid fears, right. although they may not feel stupid to you. But they are fears that you understand are hindering your life. And it's so important to work through them. Now, some you may see like, look, I'm afraid of spiders, arachnophobia. I don't really care to get over it. Totally OK. Got you. But you may have another fear that has to do with flying and you may need to fly for that job. And that can be a significant impact in your life. I remember I was part of the hiring process in the Secret Service under the polygraphs and I had Mm -hmm. an applicant who really desperately wanted to be an agent. It was his goal his entire life. And he was terrified of flying. Mm. And he wanted the job so desperately. He was a great candidate. The only issue, he was afraid of flying. Gotcha. And we travel all the time. Of course. And because of that, he couldn't get the job. And I think in that situation, that's that was a detriment. You know, that's something where he wasn't able to move past it and lost something that he really wanted. And the Secret Service, you know, it's not their job to, like, make you not afraid and help you ease you into it. It's like you have to come there ready to do the job. And he just wasn't at that place. I always think of that moment with that applicant and just how devastated he felt because he let a fear hijack his life, hijack his dreams. Mm. No, I, I appreciate that. It's almost kind of like you're saying, like, you shouldn't be like afraid of fear, but you, sh- you should definitely respect it. You know, is that kind of where you're, you're, you're saying, Evie? 
you can respect it if it's a legitimate fear. Fair enough. But if it's something that you understand that it's anxiety based or you're obsessing mm, over gotcha. things, this is when we get into a space where we do ourselves harm because we can't perpetuate fear. We can retell that story over and over again. But I'll tell you this. One of the ways to overcome fear is to constantly expose yourself to and in a healthy way, right? exposure to being uncomfortable, exposure to confrontation, exposure to stress. All these things make you resilient. Gotcha. When you don't have a healthy exposure to these things over the course of your life, this is where you begin to have a problem. And often we want to shield ourselves or we'll have family members or parents that desperately try to shield their children, or we try to shield ourselves from anything negative happening. God forbid something bad happens, right? Mm -hmm. Or we fail, or we don't succeed, succeed, or we have a failure. We can't have that, and we want to live. We, we, we want to live in this absolute space of either, you know, a success. There's no gray area. It's either I'm success successful or I'm a failure. I can't be in the middle. Gotcha. And we create these harsh terms for ourselves. And we try to fit into these boxes. We find that we don't fit into these boxes. And then we allow our fears to overtake us. And so chronic fear, a fear of being a failure, a fear of staying in a relationship that is absolutely no good for you and you know it's not good for you, a fear of staying in a job that's not healthy for you, a fear of not following through with your dreams where years and years go by and you're thinking, why didn't I do that? Why don't I do that? We can come up with a hundred different reasons for why we shouldn't do something. There's always going to be a reason. Nothing's ever perfectly aligned. And part of that beauty of it is overcoming your fear. So understanding what fears are necessities in life that are there to help you, guide you, keep you safe. And then understanding a fear that is taking away from you. And so when you have a fear, you pause and you look at it. What kind of fear am I looking at? Am I looking at a legitimate fear? That makes sense? Or am I looking at a fear that is hijacking my life and makes no sense? Gotcha. And then how do I overcome that? Gotcha. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're talking to Evie uh, Pomporis, the author of Becoming uh, Bulletproof. And once again, I, I think you should put this in your entrepreneurial toolkit, Startup Nation. Uh, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access so you can go ahead and purchase that book. Uh, Evie, I want to ask you this because you, you've worked with uh, with presidents and I imagine there's, you know, like a handshake line that, that presidents go through to like, you know, greet the people and stuff like that. And I, I'm pretty sure you're probably trained to know uh, to look at faces and look at situations to where to kind of almost anticipate, you know, if, if something, you know, uh, bad or a situation may arise and stuff like that. And sometimes we have small business owners that have customers that come into their businesses and may, what are some of those things that they can look for? Maybe they can kind of see their a customers about to uh, maybe even have a complaint or maybe even take it a little bit further than that. What are some of those things that we can look for as small business owners when we're dealing with customers like that? Yeah, that's important. You want to assess human behavior. I actually dedicate part two of the whole book mm -hmm. is about reading people, body right. language, verbal language. Even I have a whole section on deception, detecting deception. It's so important because right. you have to read people and you want to see it coming. You're right. If you're a business owner and you're dealing with someone, you see it happening and you want to be able to manage that. You need to manage that situation. And they're coming in. They're angry. They're hotheaded. Right. They're upset and they're going to unleash on you. I'll tell you this, and you know, this is the same tactic that I used when I dealt with angry individuals. Mm. It was just part of the protocol that I used. And um, the first thing to do is when you're dealing with someone who's angry or upset, it, it can mean anything too. Right. All these principles kind of like spread out even in relationships, but you've got, let's say, that angry customer coming in. They're upset. You know it. They're about to let you know. Let them go. Mm. Let them go. Don't interrupt them. Don't say anything. Let them get it off their chest because you're going to stop. You're going to try to stop them. You're going to try to interrupt them. You know what's going to do? It's going to make them angrier. At the end of the day, they just want to get it out and they want to complain. Even if right away you're like, hey, I'll fix it. It's like, no, I still want to vent. I still want to tell you how much you upset me or how much this inconvenienced me or whatever the case may be. Let them do it. Let them get it out. Because also when you allow people to get it out, they feel understood. Mm. The majority of time when people complain, it's not because they want you to give them a solution. They want you to tell them, I understand you. Gotcha. I feel you. 
I empathize with you and I'm going to do whatever I can to rectify this. So first allow them to go. And if you can kind of move them to a private section or area of the, you know, your business, wherever you are, just let them go. Let them say, and it can take 20 minutes. There are times I let people go for 20 minutes, but then also when they're done, now they're ready to listen to you. Got you. Because they're not finished saying what, when you try to cut them off, they're not done. They're still in that heat and that emotion. So when you let people go, two things happen. One, they get out of their system and now they're tired. (laughs) All that energy is gone. They're exhausted, which is great for you. Two, they feel heard. And now because they feel heard, you can speak to them. And now you will be heard because now they're going to hear you. That is the number one thing. You master that. You're going to be able to master all the complaints. At that point, you come in with an empathy. You say, and truly people just want to be empathized. I'm sorry that was like that. I uh, I understand how you feel. You know, we're going to do what we can to rectify this and then figure out how you can rectify it. Sometimes a simple like, I'm sorry. And, you know, we're going to take note of it and we will change the way we do things. You've helped us so much. Even if you can't compensate them in some way. If there's nothing there that you can give back, just as simple, like we appreciate you telling us this, we're going to incorporate this in our, you know, and and have a meeting over this, whatever it is you need to say, let them feel heard. Now, if you think to yourself, this complaint isn't legit because we're going to have some of those, they don't need to know that. Mm. They don't need to know that. You keep that in-house. Gotcha. So those are the two most important key factors. Let them go, leave them alone when they're done. Then you come in and the first thing you should be doing, I'm so sorry. This sounds like this must have been really difficult for you. And I appreciate you coming in. I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me. Let me see what we can do. If you can do something, try to do something. If you can't say, you know what, we're going to take this into account. We'll make the necessary changes. But those are the two factors. Let them feel heard and let them feel like you're going to do something about it. Got you. Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And it's funny you mentioned that because I actually listened uh, to your TED talk. And one of the things that you actually said was speaking, uh, the person who is speaking less has more of the control where you, you talked about where you should you be listening 80 percent of the time and speaking 20 percent of the time. So, uh, you know, I, I appreciate you sharing it because you're reinforce that reinforces what you uh, just said and what you talk about in, in the book. And Sodom Nation, I actually have a link there in the show notes as well for uh, Evie's TED talk for you to kind of check out. It's very fascinating stuff. And I think you should definitely uh, put that in your entrepreneurial toolkit. Thank you so much, Evie, for that. Sure. And you know what else? Just to add on that, a big part of it is ego. Look, we're Mm, all ego driven. Right. And so it's like, I'm talking now. Let me speak. Let me say what I want to say. And so understanding that you satiate the other person's ego. Mm. You wanting to jump in is your ego wanting to take over the conversation. There's so much power. You have so much more control when you don't say anything. Because if you try to, let's say, if we stick with the same example, you try to interrupt them. And you try to go against them. First of all, they're heated. Nothing's you're gonna, nothing you're going to say in that moment is going to resonate with them. Mm. But allow their ego to come out. And that's what you're dealing with. You wanting to intercept, interrupt is your ego coming in there. So knowing this, let people talk. People love to talk about themselves. I always say it. Let them go. You actually have more power when you say less. And now after listening to this person's complaint or rant or whatever you end up getting, you have the information. You understand what happened. You understand why they feel this way and you can speak to them in a more intelligent way. You can address their issues in a more intelligent way. All right, Startup Nation. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got to pay some bills. Once again, my name is Dominic Lawson and you're listening to The Startup Life. Check it out, Startup Nation. I know many of you are trying to improve your marketing performance, right? You have your business or your e-commerce store, and you're trying to increase that brand awareness. No worries. I got you. You should listen to the brand new Keep Optimizing podcast. That's optimizing with an S and not a Z. It's a marketing podcast that will provide you with not only the latest tips and advice in the game, but also you will hear from experts in their field when it comes to email marketing, SEO, and more. This is a must-listen-to podcast for my e-commerce entrepreneurs. It's hosted by Chloe Thomas, who is a 15-year marketing expert, best-selling author, and award-winning podcast host. It's already a top-20 marketing podcast in seven countries, 
So clearly, you're going to get amazing value every episode. So as you can see, Style Nation, you're in good hands with my girl, CT. So listen and subscribe to the Keep Optimizing podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you like to get your favorite podcast. You can also get more information at keepoptimizing.com. The link is there in the show notes. Aurelex powers this episode of the Startup Life. Startup Nation, as a podcaster, radio host, and business owner, I know a thing or two about the need for your message to come through clearly to your target audience. The last thing you want when trying to close a big deal over the phone or giving a sales presentation in your conference room is to have the person you are talking to be distracted by either the fact that you sound like you're in a warehouse or an outside noise like a fire truck. Trust me, Startup Nation. I know this all too well from experience. And that is why Oralex has your back. Oralex Acoustics creates professionally tested products that you can trust in a commercial space or at home. Better office acoustics improves intelligibility when video conferencing or generic conversation reduces stress and helps build a proactive work atmosphere. From a home studio for my content creators to your office space downtown, your gear performs better in an acoustically treated room. Trust me, you are in good hands with Oralex as they are the number one brand in acoustics, providing trusted solutions for over 40 years. Also, you can download the Oralex Acoustic Treatment mobile app in the Apple or Google Play Store to give you specifically designed and instantaneous recommendations for various room types. Go to Oralex.com and use the promo code STARTUP in all caps for 10% off your entire order. The link is there in the show notes if you are listening to the replay on the podcast. So if you are ready to stop sounding like you're having a sales meeting in a sports arena, go with Oralex. Professional audio made simple. Tresta powers this episode of The Startup Life. Okay, Startup Nation, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, Tresta. Tresta is an app for iPhone and Android that lets you do business calling and texting from anywhere. I know so many entrepreneurs that are still using their, their personal phone number for business calls. It can get complicated drawing the line between your personal and professional life. Startup Nation, this is the best business phone app out there. Whether you just need a business phone number or if your team is ready for a complete business phone system, Tresta is totally flexible and can grow with your business. And it's all unlimited. Calling, texting, and all of the powerful call management features like auto attendance, call recording, user groups, and more for just $15 per user per month. With Tresta, there's no contract and you don't need any special hardware, just your smartphone you're already using. Tresta is easy to configure so you can set everything up yourself, all online avoiding all the hassle and high overhead costs of setting up a traditional business phone system, which is important because as entrepreneurs, we are always trying to cut cost and time. They're often a 30-day free trial so you can see if Tresta's virtual phone system is right for you. Communicate smarter and more efficiently with Tresta. Start now at Tresta.com forward slash startup life. That's T-R-E-S-T-A dot com forward slash startup life. The link is there in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Tresta, business communication simplified. All right, Startup Nation, welcome back as we continue our conversation with today's guest here on The Startup Life. I want to ask you this because Evie, we have a lot of small business owners out there who, you know, some of them work from home, but some of them work in like a brick and mortar store and some of them close up their stores, you know, rather late, you know, and, and a lot of times, you know, I mean, you, you obviously know this more than I would that, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, CD characters kind of come around businesses and they kind of know when you locking up late and stuff like that. You know, what are some of those things that a small business owner can do like on the front end? Uh, to kind of deter uh, the criminal element or, or around a business like they're locking up late at night or even, uh, you know, opening early in the morning. What are some of those things you, uh, they can do in your opinion? Well, one thing you can do, and I think a lot of people don't think to do this. Uh, I did this because I worked, you know, like before I was an agent, I had part time jobs. You sure. know, mom had her own business. You can actually call police and you can speak to them and say, listen, I open up my business or close my business at this time. Mm. Could you send uh, an officer or a car there just to be present when I'm doing this. Some communities will do it. Some law enforcement, if they have the resources, they will do that. Gotcha. Uh, they will show up at certain times. So the best thing is you can do that. See if, you know, your community, your local police department will do that. You can ask for them to be there and they might be able to work with you on that, especially if, like you said, the area has had crime before right. or there have been incidents because they're also law enforcement is about 
not just being reactive, proactive. So they don't mm. want crime in their area. Right. Looks bad for them. Right. So they're going to want to come if they can, if they can spare the resources, they will want to come to be there because they don't want anything happening. Because that gotcha. also looks bad for them for to sure. happen in their community. Now, let's say you don't have that resource. Having a secondary person there with you is mm. always the best thing. Gotcha. So having somebody either show up to help you open or show up to help you close. They don't need to be there working with you. And it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't have to be anybody in the industry. It can be a family member. It can be a friend. And so when you see a person by themselves, you're you're more enticing target. Mm. When you see one or more people, you're not as enticing. Because, again, people who commit crime, they're looking for easy targets. Gotcha. They don't want a fair fight. They mm. want someone that they can take over and go, you know, take down easily. Right. So having a secondary person. The other thing is be aware before you, let's say you're closing up at night, before you exit the store, you know, turn the lights off, stay inside for a moment. You know, especially like if, you know, you can see, because obviously when lights are on inside, people can see outside from the outside can see better. Gotcha. Sit by there with the door locked and look out. What do you see? Mm. Don't go out there kind of like, Half asleep. Take a look. Assess your environment. Wait for a couple of minutes. If you see individuals outside and you don't feel comfortable, call local police. Hey, look, I'm trying to close. I don't feel comfortable. Or wait it out if you can. Then go outside. It's really on you. There's so many ways to do this. And we tend to think you're at the mercy of this external environment that we have. And you're not. There's so many avenues you can take. And even when you're going to open up work, when you show up to work, if you're in your car or maybe hang out at the corner of the block, watch what's going on. If you see individuals loitering around or things don't feel right or seem right, don't open up yet. Wait. You gotcha. choose when you go open that door, I when you that. unlock your business. And if you need to have extra locks on your business door, you should have them. A buzzard, you should have them. Cameras, even fake cameras, something as simple as putting up cameras that don't even work. Let's say you can't afford a proper security system. I know, you know, some folks can't, but even putting up fake cameras, cameras that don't work at all, that's enough of a deterrent to keep people away. Because they're mm. thinking, there's a camera. I'm going to get caught. No, thank you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think that's very uh, valuable information because we have so many entrepreneurs where we, we're only thinking about like, you know, you know, you know generating revenue and scaling and stuff like that. And sometimes we take some things like that for granted. So I think that's so valuable, uh, every uh, information that you gave us. So thank you so much for that. I wanted to um, ask you this because, you know, you, you've you've been on you know, presidential uh, details from you know, Barack Obama, uh, Bill Clinton, uh, George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush, I believe as well. You know, I, I guess I want to know, you know, when it comes to leadership, you know, what are some of those lessons? Because I know you're protecting them, but I, I know I imagine you're also like learning certain things from them as well. You know, what are some, what are some of those lessons that you've learned uh, from all of them? Just one of them. Just kind of share some of that, you know, kind of rain some knowledge on us, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, I, you're right. I was like a sponge. Absolutely. When I worked at the White House, right. everything I saw, I was like, this is an opportunity to just, you know, obviously I'm doing my job, but I absorbed everything around me because you can learn so much from people. So I've protected various presidents, former presidents, you know, even foreign heads of state. Right. You know, when you're around that caliber of individual, regardless of politics, like, mm -hmm. you have something to to make it to that point. There's there's something that you have. Right. And I'll tell you this. There was one trait that I saw across the board. OK. And that shaped me tremendously to this day, even now, you know, working in television and having a completely different career you know, as a multimedia journalist and stuff. But the one trait that I learned was resiliency. Mm. I don't ever complain about anything. So this person said that to me, this guy was a bully or she was this. Or... I have never seen anything like that in my life. I've never seen the beating that a head of state can take. And when I say beating, I mean a verbal beating. Of course. Of uh, being ridiculed, humiliated on, on public platforms. Right. And then you still have to get up and go on stage and give a speech to 20,000 people. Or you have to get in front of the, the TV. Or you have to sit there and you have to make a, a national decision or policy that impacts thousands, if not millions of lives. Right. That is the one thing I learned. I learned that when something happens to me, to just shut up. Mm. Because you can stand up to it. 
it taught me not to let little things crush me. Got you. And training definitely played a role in that as of course, well. Of course. But when you see someone go out there and still do what they need to do, despite the humiliation, the insults, whatever, the hate, that is so inspiring. Because you. you realize I'm doing this because I have to do this. And you don't let the outside world shift you. You don't let the outside world tell you that you're insignificant or you're not competent. Right. You know, and you know, I would see this with all the different presidents. Like they didn't have time to feel sorry for themselves. They didn't have time to wallow in it. Like they still had to get up and work. They still had to get up and do their job. That is like the number one trait that I, I learned resilience bar none you master that world's got nothing on you got you got you thank you for sharing that no i I appreciate that because you know we always hear about you know from afar you know about you know american presidents you know you know have to kind of shake stuff off to work for the american people but uh to hear it you know that that that's what you saw up close is just it's quite profound because we like i said we hear about these presidents from afar but we never have that kind of inside look so i appreciate uh, you sharing. That. And I think that's something all, all small business leaders uh, can learn from, because, you know, every day we're we're told no from, a, you know, a sales meeting or people don't want to buy our product or there's days or months or weeks where we're not making sales. And to have that resilience is just super important. So I appreciate all of that. Yeah. You know, I have this uh, kind of secret that I use. Sure. Um, when I hear no, I don't hear no. I hear not yet. I hear that. I hear that. At any time I'm doing, I'm doing my own business deals. I'm like, all right, it's not a no. It's just a not yet. For I'll sure. figure it out. For sure. For sure. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Once again, Startup Nation, we're actually wrapping up with Evie uh, Pomporis, the author of Becoming Bulletproof. And once again, if you want to uh, check out that book, we have a link there in the show notes for easy access if you listen to the replay on the podcast. And also, if you want to just check out Evie and all her uh, willings and dealings and knowings and doings, uh, check out EviePomporis.com. That link is also there in the show notes for easy uh, access. Evie, I want to ask you this because I know you're an adjunct professor at City University of New York and you teach uh, criminal justice and criminology. Kind of talk about that role uh, and and just, you know, teaching the next generation of law enforcement, uh, the next generation of um, uh, public servants, if you don't mind. Yeah, you know, with with my students, you know, I obviously teach a curriculum. Sure. And we talk about the history of law enforcement and, you know, the structure and all that. Well, we always talk about contemporary issues. You know, we'll talk about what's happening in the news and the media. And I allow my students, once I, for one, I allow them to speak their mind openly. Sure. Um, and let them, I give them the facts and I never allow myself to sway them in, in each which way, despite the fact that I have a law enforcement background. Sure. And I always teach them, I'm, teach them, I'm like, you must think for yourself. You must take the information and make your own assessment. Because in life, we're always having people tell us what to think, how to feel. It's like, make your own assessment. But having said that, when, you know, I hear from them, I'm like, you want to change something? Go be it. Mm. That's like the, I would like, go be a police officer. Go become a judge. Go become a, a, a defense attorney or a prosecutor. Be that person who makes that change. And because that is how I think we can make some of the most significant impact is inspiring the next generation to say, I want to go in here because I want to help make it better. And I want to educate myself in such a way so that I can apply for a position like this and make those changes. And so, you know, I allow them, you know, an open forum where they can speak openly and honestly and in a, with everyone respecting each other's opinions. That's I, I never allow disrespect in my classroom. Gotcha. And then two is inspiring them to figure out ways where they can actually do something if possible. Can they make a change? And how could they make that change? And maybe for some people, it's not going into law enforcement, or becoming a defense attorney or a prosecutor, but how can you impact uh, or change something? And if you are hearing something, that's the other thing we talk about is what you're saying, fact or conjecture. We talk about the difference. Mm -hmm. And so I want to make sure that when they're sharing something in the classroom, I'm like, okay, is this a factual thing, a factual event, a factual statement, or is this conjecture and opinion? And that's also something that's super important because I always want to separate that because when other students speak, they are affecting my other students. Of course. Right? So I want to make sure, just make sure when you're sharing your thought and share your opinion, but make sure to let people know, this is something I heard. It's not factual. This is something I think or I feel versus this is something that is. Gotcha. 
Got you. Thank you for sharing that. And, you know, going back to your TED talk, you said something that, you know, I really uh, appreciated. And you said that, you know, the, the, the best tool you have in your arsenal to diffuse in the situation is speaking and communicating. And it's not necessarily like your, your weapon or sidearm. And, and given you, know, you talked about, you know, some of the things that's going on today, uh, in, in the world, I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. Uh, for sure. So I just wanted to say that thank you for saying that. Your words are your greatest weapon Absolutely. to get people. If you can get somebody to do something voluntarily, you've hit gold. And this is not just in law enforcement. This is with family members, sure. this is with kids, this is with employees. You want people to want to do it. When you, and the science shows this and the research show, shows this, when you force somebody to do something, it, it there's always going to be resentment there. And, you know, even in law enforcement, going back to that, like we always had a saying, it's like the minute you put hands on someone, it just changes the dynamics. Mm. Things go downhill. So if you can keep that distance and if you can get people to comply through the use of your words, that's a win-win for everybody. I wanted to ask you this, you know, what do you tell uh, young women who want to go into law enforcement? You know, you know uh, what are some of those uh potential, I guess, pitfalls, challenges, uh, adverse moments. What are some of those mentoring, you know, uh, statements that you uh, share with young women who want to go into law enforcement or just kind of pursue a dream or something like that in general? 11% of in law enforcement, only 11% are women Mm. overall. We're talking about across the 70,000 plus agencies and law enforcement entities in the United States. Gotcha. And across all of that, only 11% are women. My advice to them is just don't think about it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the obstacles you're going to face and deal with because all I'm doing is now furthering a narrative of why it's going to be so hard and why you shouldn't do it. And I'm already putting you in the negative. Fair enough. Right? I'm putting you in this negative of the anxiety and and the stress and issues versus you should do it. You should do it because you should put in for it like anybody else does. And you can look over and be like, if that guy can do it, and if you want to go into if we stick to law enforcement, look for the worst law enforcement officer out there and uh, the worst cop you can find. And when you look at him and you should think like that guy can do it. I can do it. Gotcha. And that's kind of the sentiment I've always had. Put in for it. Let somebody else tell you no or let somebody else tell you don't qualify. But if you do these things, if you put in for it and you apply and you pass and then you get in and then you excel, that's what matters. Because it's not just in law enforcement, it's anything you do. And we all deal with this in different ways. And it can be based on our gender. It can be based on our race, our ethnicity. It can be based on so many things that we will have people not want us there. We will have people make us feel bad or feel horrible. And you know what? That's their problem, not yours. So my advice is to, to, to tell women, just do it. Don't and somebody else gave me this advice actually. Gotcha. Fair enough. In life, later on, they told me they give me this because I do think about a lot of things. I, I do analyze, and I think that came from my career, obviously, and working investigations and the polygraph examiner. Don't think, do, because you will think yourself out of doing something. Just get up and go and do it. Gotcha. Got you. Thank you uh, for sharing that. And before I ask the last question, I just want to say thank you so much, Evie, uh, for coming on the show. We appreciate you uh, so much. And once again, started mentioning that book is Becoming Bulletproof. We have a link there in the show notes for easy access. If you listen to the replay on the podcast, also in the show notes, we have a link to uh, Evie's TED Talk and EvyePumphorus.com. Uh, All of that is in the show notes for easy access. So, Evie, I'm actually going to turn the microphone over to you because given everything that's going on, uh, you know, people feeling a little down, feeling a little discouraged. If you would just kind of give us some words of encouragement to take us out for today. It is difficult and you kind of were feeling it, right? Not just with everyone being home, but it can, it can compound. So what I think we're feeling and seeing is compounding emotions of what's happening. So it's one thing after another. Do you ever, you know, there's that term that says when it rains and pours, So it's pouring right now. But sometimes I feel that we allow it to pour instead of letting it just rain and pass. One of the ways to overcome what is happening, because we are in a a strange time, it's just different. It's just different. It's the two most important things. 
is acceptance and adaptability. Accept what is happening, whether you like it or not, don't resist it. This is what's happening. This is where I am. This is this is how it is. It just is. And don't waste your energy fighting it because it doesn't change it. I can't believe this. Why is this happening? It's not going to change. It is what it is. And then take that cognitive energy and that emotional energy and then adapt. Adapt to it. And when you can accept, that's the biggest hurdle. We don't like to accept where we are. We want to live in the past of how it was, how it should be. This is where we are right now. And this can last for quite some time. We've got a lot of different things happening. So adapt to this new environment. Morph with it. Flow with it. That will significantly help you overcome everything across the board. It's people who are reluctant to accept and those who just continue to live in the past of how it was or how they wish it would be versus where they are and saying, okay, I've got this going on. How do I adopt and make this work for me? Because you can come out on top of this. And then, you know, here's another tip. And this is a very practical one. Be mindful of who you're around. You are influenced and impacted by the people you're spending the most time with. And depending on who you're kind of locked up at home with, just be aware that if you're around a negative personality or very um, a person who complains all the time, very negative-based, they're going to affect you and that's going to impact you. So if you can identify the people you spend the most time with, the people that you're actually interacting with the most, identify those who are negative-based, fear-based, complainers, all those things, and put distance and space between yourself and them. That's going to make a huge impact for you because sometimes it's not us, it's them and literally people's emotions and fears and sentiments rub off on us, all of us, no matter how strong you are, myself included. And I'm always very well aware of who who am I having contact with because that person can either strengthen me or weaken me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for those words. And that's going to wrap up this session of the start of life. Once again, we want to thank Evie Pomporis for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Evie. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. I appreciate it. Thank you. No worries. And as always, Startup Nation, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life. If you want to let us know what you think about our show, have an idea for a show topic, or would like to advertise on our show, send us a message on the Startup Life Podcast Facebook page. And while you are there, like and follow our page as well. It's a great way for us to engage with you, Startup Nation, and really grow our community. The link is there in the show notes. Subscribe to the show as it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or even on your Facebook timeline or any other platform you like to get your podcast. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts and you find our content valuable, please give us a five-star rating as it will help us climb the charts and help more people find our show. You can also listen to the show on the Startup Life Podcast new website. There you will find the all-new startup blog where I write on many topics that are interesting and helpful to you on your path to entrepreneurship. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, the startup life.